This is an AMI podcast. This is Double Tap from AMI Audio. Email us feedback at doubletaponair.com. Call us 877 803 4567 and find us on social media on Twitter and Facebook at Double Tap On Air and now on Mastodon at Double Tap. Hey everyone, welcome along to a special two part episode of Double Tap. I am Stephen Scott. He is Sean Priest. Hello, I am. Yeah, I just thought I'd tell people that because, you know, somebody might be tuning in for the very first time. They've no idea about this show. They've been told oh. about it. Maybe someone yeah. said, hey, you got to check out that Double Tap show. And they go, oh, yeah, yeah, I'll do that when I get home. Yeah. And then they go, uh, I checked out, by the way, and uh, never again. Um, yeah, that could happen. Are you okay, okay Stephen? <laughs> You've had too much sugar. <laughs> no, I've cut down on my sugar intake, as you well know, because I oh. am looking after myself these days. You are. Yes. It's like a temple. That's right. My body is a temple. Uh, Unfortunately, today it's closed. Uh, (laughs) And has been for many years. I think it's derelict now, to be fair. I think it's in ruins. Yes, Yes. it is. Uh, Yeah, that's right. Anyway, uh, today on the show, (laughs) aside my personal disaster of a life, uh, we have a fantastic interview. Well, I think it's fantastic, and it's got nothing to do with me, uh, because uh, I got the chance to uh, visit Matt Ater in person, no less, the yes. uh, wonderful man himself. He is the vice president of uh, Vespero. And, of course, that's the company that's behind the products like JAWS, Screen Reader, Zoom Text, and many other brands as well. And uh, I wanted to get, catch up with him. It was just a, a really a great opportunity just to meet him. He's in America. I'm in the UK. And uh, he was here. And, you know, what? he was in London and England. And I thought, you know what, it'd be really nice to just go and visit and actually get a chance to... Do an interview in person, which Any feels... excuse for a trip, Stephen yeah, Scott? But... I know you. Oh, I do like my train trips. I do First class. love it. Well, you know. Um, but only because, only yes. because, excuse me, only because, do you want me walking up and down a train carriage yes. with a hot cup of coffee in my hand? Uh, no, I've changed my mind. No, absolutely See? not. <laughs> See? See? See, it seems good at the time because you think, oh, I can be all independent. I can go do this myself. But then you realise very quickly uh, when you do spill that coffee over someone or indeed yourself. Um, mm. Well, first off, it you realise how hot it is and that's yes. uh, a problem. And then you realise you probably shouldn't have done it. So, yeah, f- f- that's why I sit in first class. Stop, what a don't, great don't belittle me. Don't well judge done. me. I always touch the top of people's heads when I'm going through the seat walk, you know, through the oh, carriage. you're one of them, are you? I always, yes. Well, it could be worse, believe me. <laughs> anyway, sorry, carry on. <laughs> well, funnily enough, we do get into the whole subject of train travel and the nightmares. And uh, we also talk a lot about, and really the, the, the big reason Matt was here, was about uh, JAWS kiosk, which a lot of people will probably have heard about. But today you're going to get a chance not only to learn more about it, but also to hear it in action. So uh, all that coming up today and indeed on our next episode of Double Tap as well. It's a special two-parter, and uh, we get started right now where I got uh, to sit down with Matt in a studio in London. Matt, great to have you on the show once again. Stephen, I'm I'm very excited to be here, and just, just to think that we could do this in person, because we've done enough of this stuff uh, over the years, you know, being through Zoom or whatever methods of toys that we use to connect us, but... Uh, 
it's wonderful to be here in person with you. Yeah, but you know what it's like, right? It's the anxiety of getting up, doing the train journey, you know, getting everywhere on time. Then you have to navigate your way through the streets of London. I have gone through an immense amount of mental pain to be here with you today, Matt. I hope you appreciate this. I do. And um, <laughs> I, I would I would say that um, I, I also had to do a lot of traveling to get here. I... I you know, flew from uh, the U.S. over to London, and um, my mental pain was probably something most people don't do on a flight. I watched a show on Apple TV Plus called Hijack. <gasps> I don't know that that's a normal thing people should do when getting on a plane, which, you know, the show's about uh, a flight that's hijacked. <laughs> On the way to London. Now, it <laughs> yes, wasn't... That's right. It's going to London on that flight, yeah. That's not a good idea. Matt. No. And so the whole time I'm I'm listening to passengers and I'm wondering, is that the bad guy? Right? And so... Well, you weren't listening with spatial audio. That would make it even worse. <laughs> It'd be like but you're actually in amongst it. That's everybody who good. passes my seat, I think they're dangerous. Yeah. <laughs> so, if Idris Elba turned up on your flight, you would be worried, right? Uh, yes. Yeah. And it's so interesting you say that because I saw uh, it was Air Canada announced that they will be showing Apple TV Plus content on their in-flight entertainment system. And I thought, wow, is Hijack going to be in that catalog? I bet it's not. I bet any money they take Hijack out of that category. Yeah, probably. If they can, if they yeah. can do that. I mean, I, you know, it's interesting. I'm just fascinated that they're going to be streaming shows when we used to complain that we couldn't you know use our phones for internet <laughs> yes that's right and now it's just open season for l listening to stuff streaming stuff you know the fear is that you know there used to be those phones on the back of seats and mm -hmm. I, I i think i tried to use one once it may have cost me like 55 dollars for one minute of just call. to pick it up yeah. right and and the service was terrible yeah. right now this is before Wi-Fi on planes and stuff. But to think that, you know, people are going to be um, communicating and doing more, like there's going to be streaming calls on flights yeah. where people are just talking like they would be working. And it, to some degree, I mean, I'm not a fan of the quiet car on trains. You may be because you just took a train. Mm. Um, only because I usually get in trouble when I'm on the quiet car, because someone will start pointing at me, because I didn't know that I was in the quiet car, because, right, you know, you and I probably can't read the signs. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> doesn't announce itself. That's the With, problem. They're they're the most. Uh, I'll be honest, and if anybody out there is listening, and I'm sure you'll get some listener letters later, but <laughs> people in the quiet car are the rudest people on the train. Yeah, that's true. They, that's true. Also they, in first class, you'll find that as well. Uh, no, I'm okay with them. But the, oh, you're okay the, with them, right? Yeah, yeah. You, you're one of them. That's why. <laughs> you're one of the rudest people I've ever if met. I, if, I, if I get upgraded to first class, <laughs> I'm not complaining, okay? So <laughs> so why are you in London? What brought you here? Well, so, you know, we continue to look um, at Vespero of, of ways that we can um, uh, deploy the software JAWS um into other segments and jaws for kiosk is is one of those segments and how do we attack and solve the problems of accessibility in self-service devices such as a kiosk such as a payment device and so i'm here meeting with um, customers and partners who are going to help 
you know, bring this to the UK market. And the it, everywhere we go today, you're going to run into self-service whether you like it or not. Yeah. Um, I was at a um, coffee shop, and I'm going to say slash donut shop without calling them out. And, you know, they were – you walk in and there's a kiosk to place the order – and the the only person who's in the the restaurant is serving coffee and serving donuts. She can't take the time. She doesn't take cash behind the counter. She doesn't do any of this. It's all self-service. And so if we don't solve this problem, you know, we're going to be left in society where we can't go into certain restaurants and certain places of business. Um, I was at a, a, a baseball game a couple weeks ago and... You didn't have to stand in line to get a beer. You could go into this little section that was self-service beer coolers, and you would set the beer down on this thing. It scanned it because it it had cameras and a scanner, and then you would tap your card and walk out. And this is becoming the the new area where we're starting to see this creep, this mission creep of these kind of devices turning up, right? And And it's... We often talk about web accessibility or app accessibility, and that's the the common thread when we think about accessibility and in particular accessibility issues. But this is a new area, and it's using the same technology that drives everything else. Yeah, and I I think that the reason for there's two there's two kind of areas if you read the publications that I'll I'll point to. One is um, the cost to deploy a self-service device over time is nothing compared to hiring people. Mm. At the same time, the service industry has been decimated by people not wanting to work in it since COVID. It's the same problem that we have with uh, people not or people wanting to work from home since COVID. Everybody kind of got used to the work from home for uh, whatever amount of time, and and now you're seeing companies who are mandating going back to work at 40% of the people who don't want to go back to the office. And so if we look at it from a self-service perspective, if you go into a fast food place, a QSR is what they call a quick service restaurant, or you go into um, some of these other businesses that have grab and go, it's hard to staff and manage the people who are in there. And so can people easily, um, you know, be able to find items on a menu, choose them, or go to a self-checkout and check out. And so that's part of it. The other part is they've learned they sell more on a self-service device in a, in a quick-service restaurant if you use the kiosk than when you go to the counter. And part of it is you see the menu in front of you, and it constantly will say, hey, do you would you like to add more to that would you like to which is what you do right and you end up saying yes and so you spend more money at the device now i'll say the 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 other part that i think is critical outside of just this is that and you've you've had this um for longer in the uk than than we have in in the us which is payment devices that come to your table mm. in the us they would take your credit card, go in the back, swipe your card, do whatever, bring your card, your bill back. You'd sign the, the piece of paper and away you go. In the UK, they bring you a machine to your table. 
and you put your credit card in the machine and then you get the option. I don't know if you guys get the option, but you get the option to tip in the US if you yeah. had one of these machines. Yeah. And you know, the question is, should we be able to do all of that ourselves? And my answer would be yes. I mean, of course. Yeah. why should we let somebody else who's our server put our tip in for us? It's not just there. I was in a cab today, just coming over here. And in the cab, they had a card machine. And before I could tap my card or my Apple Watch as it was onto the device, it had something written on the screen. And I couldn't do anything with it. I didn't know what button to press. The, the question was, what do you want to tip the driver? My answer was nothing. Uh, what's the button for that? You can imagine the driver was over the moon at that idea. Uh, but anyway, he did come through and he said, okay, it's this button here, hit the button. And um, I tapped my car, my, my watch and that was fine. But you know, there's these steps in the way and it made it not a fluid experience. Now, if I did want to tip him, irrespective of whether I did or not, I want that choice. And I don't, you know, there's a social anxiety aspect to this because I'm kind of joking around saying, you know, I didn't want to tip the guy. I didn't, I'm Scottish, I don't tip people. But <laughs> I... I wanted to do that myself. I didn't want to have him know I was doing that. You know, it's only pay and go, right? That's what everyone else does. That's what, this is what it all comes down to. We want to do the same things other people do. Yeah, and it's interesting that, so you, your taxis are called what, black cab? Black, yeah, 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 cabs. Cab? Is yeah. it called a black cab? So Hackney carriage, if you'd rather. Okay, so in the... <laughs> In the U.S., a lot of the taxis today have tablets on the back of the, the seat, on the on the passenger seat in the front. And you can triple tap um, one finger, I believe, to turn on speech. And then it switches the, to a an accessible menu and you can go through it and it tells you to – you can't swipe gestures. You can – it'll say top the top right, tap the top right to make it louder – or faster, or whatever it is. And and if you want to tip, tap the bottom right corner. And then if you want to increase your tip, tap the top left corner. Mm. You know, depending on, it, it, I'm, my left and rights are backwards here, but you get the idea is that yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, it gives you all those cues on each screen. That so would this be, is like what, an Android tablet kind of yeah, thing yeah. that's running? Yeah, right. yeah. And, and that's the way it should be, Yeah. right? I mean, and I would assume at some point the taxis, you know, you know, they're running videos on those, so if you want to stop the video and listen to the screen reader, it you just triple tap your finger with one finger and it and it turns it on. Now, it doesn't mean every single taxi in the US does this, but you see it in New York, you see it in Vegas, you see it in LA, you see it in the you know, DC. The and big I think cities that's have got the, it, yeah. I think it's the new wave in the US, and I think why not here too? I mean, why would you you know, you it'll tell you how far you've gone. It'll tell you how much you've already spent in case you've run out of cash. You need to jump out of the cab. Um, you know, so having those details, I mean, I would expect, you know, just like we're expecting, you know, accessible websites and mobile apps, I would expect all this stuff to be accessible as well. But the key word is consistency, right? So this is the other problem that we have. And consistency is the big issue for us because in one sense you might have like one city might have a great experience another city has some of that experience certain cab operators and if we're using cabs as the example certain cab operators may have that others may not and it's this inconsistency that drives the problem now if you're sighted coming up against a new touchscreen is not a major issue you'll figure it out just tap away on it and you'll figure it out but 
if, for example, you came up against an iPad in one setting and, a, and an Android tablet in another, and you really don't know your tablets that well or you know even the accessibility that well, but you need to use it, uh, that's going to be a problem for people. So this is another issue, right? Is this why you guys have got into this game? Because I am intrigued as to why you guys get into this. Because I think about JAWS, I think about the screen reader, I think about Workplace, I think about you guys in that area pushing for more access and work. How did this come about? I mean, it started with customers coming to us and say they have a problem they need to solve. And the one thing that we do understand is how to drive a user experience. When we think about a self-service device, um, and I'm going to use that kind of general term of kiosk, but it doesn't matter if it's a payment device, which doesn't, it's the size of of a phone, an Mm -hmm. iPhone. Yeah. Okay. It's not the size of a big kiosk at McDonald's. So um, when we think about these devices, we need to create a good user experience, but it doesn't mean that it needs to be sounding like JAWS out of the box in the way we do things on a computer. It's a different user experience, and we need to provide a good user experience. Part of that is we have to assume that not everybody who's sitting down to use this device has ever used it before. And we also have to assume that they've never used JAWS. We have to assume that they don't like eloquence, Hmm. that they want something a little different. We have to meet lots of languages, depending on where you are in the world. Um, And then we have to help the the vendor who's developing the applications fully make the screens a good user experience. And something as complex as McDonald's may take a lot more work because of lots of screens and, and, you know, different, um, let's call them applications. Whereas something like a check-in at a, um, motor vehicles place to get your ID and license and things like that may be simpler. Um, but either way, we have to find a way to do it in a, in a very easy user experience. And a lot of times developers aren't thinking about a touch experience that requires a workflow. They're thinking about a touch experience of someone who can see. Mm-hmm. And so we have to communicate slightly different with those developers to help them understand that when we swipe or when we press a key on a on a um, an, an input device such as um, the Storm keypad, we need to make sure that it goes in a workflow. Whereas if if all you had to do is tap the screen and you knew where the button was, none of that matters. And so, the one thing I would say for the for the you know thirty years of of Jaws development. And even our video magnification work that we've done for since the 70s with, you know, Optilec and enhanced vision and stuff like that. The one thing we understand is a user experience. And we have to figure out how do we help a customer support a proper user experience for someone with a visual impairment. But it's impressive because you've almost had to go beyond yourself. This wasn't a case of just taking JAWS and implementing it into a kiosk system. You had to really rethink this, right? Because it's, it's a different navigation. I mean, we've got this device in front of us here and we're, you know, I'm just sort of touching the, the various buttons. I'm not pressing anything yet. Don't worry. You've already, minute. you've ordered three well, sandwiches. I have, yes. And, and I'll be ordering more <laughs> before this uh, recording is done, I promise you. Uh, but, you know, there's not many buttons on here. You know, we don't have a full keyboard. We don't have a full gamut of, you know, JAWS 
commands that you have to learn and you've an insert space layer you know not none of that right this is this is very simple arrow up down select up down left right select there's a, another select button there and the headphone jack as well very few buttons on this but you know it, it does give you the full navigation of the system so you've obviously had to think differently i guess about how to develop this yeah and part of it is that you know we've we've spent a lot of time in the computer world and you know the the let's use a website for an example um every letter on the keyboard is a hotkey for something on a website mm -hmm. every number is probably a hotkey every punctuation mark is a hotkey i mean think about that that's a lot of keys that like a standard user would get to know and remember but i can't think about that when i'm when i'm trying to order something in two and a half minutes no and I can't assume that the person who walks up to it knows what headings are, what buttons and links are, and edit boxes and spin boxes and uh, ARIA Live and ARIA labels and none of that stuff. We can't think about it from that perspective. We have to think, what does a user need to do in the amount of time that the customer wants them to do it? So if the customer said a standard user can do something in two and a half minutes, shouldn't we be able to say, let's do the same in two and a half minutes with a blind user? And by doing that, we have to change um, the verbosity, which I don't, I, I always hate the word verbosity. It sounds so, <laughs> I call it change the noise. Verbose, let's call it change the noise. All right. So let's, yes. let's reduce the noise to Cut the user, the right? Yeah. And... You know, it's not about if something's a button, because again, you don't, if you've never used one of these devices, you've never used a computer, you don't know what a button is. You're, you're recently blind. You know that there's something on the screen that says buy mm -hmm. <laughs> or yeah. place order. And that's what you know, because you visually have always seen that word. You didn't know it was called a button though. You just knew you tapped that. And so we have to say to the user, press the middle key to activate it. Right. Um, because it's not about what it is, but how to use it. And that's what that's what the key message is, is how do we drive the user through it? And, you know, for anybody who's a, um, a more advanced user, they can speed up the voice. They can skip the tutor messages um, that are added to, to drive a user through the experience and just get the job done. Um, the same would go with, you know, you talked earlier about tablets and, you know, sitting down at a um, a tablet to try to uh, go through something, an Android tablet or something like that. If we had to use a screen reader, TalkBack's a perfectly good screen reader and everybody who's using Android loves the screen reader who, that they use. Mm. And anybody who's on iOS loves voiceover. But if we had to use that for a general user who's newly blind and never used it, it's a it's a learning curve that we don't need to do. And so our experience in Android is very similar that we we strip out all of that and we give a user experience that we can explain very simple. Um, and we had to add, you know, lots of features to, you know, our JAWS for Android kiosk version um, just for the purposes of driving a user through that experience. You know, we have to start and stop the speech. We have to provide hint text um, that's not normal. We can't say things like press, double tap and hold is a message that is very phone 
or tablet specific, but not kiosk specific because no one's going to let you do that in a kiosk, mm. right? And so they're going to let you double tap, but not double tap and hold. Um, the you know we have to think through the different keyboard uses. You know you've you've used lots of devices. Probably you have you used an Apple TV. Yeah, have you used the older versions? And each app. If you cut me down the middle, Matt, there's uh-huh. an Apple logo in here. <laughs> so the answer is yes. <laughs> so if if you remember, there was times when the keyboard that would be presented to you was A through Z, all mm-hmm. in one line. And then the next app you use may be A, B, C, D yep. on the top line, and then you go down a line for the next couple letters. Every keyboard that we hit on different screens, different apps you're using from Netflix to whatever, there's no universal in it. No. Right? And And if you handed somebody a QWERTY keyboard that's never actually done anything but um, tap their fingers by looking at the keys if they were sighted and then became blind, telling them that they have to understand the QWERTY layout is tough, right? If you've, if you've not become a typist. Mm-hmm. And so all of those kind of things have to be thought through when driving these kiosk scenarios, because, you know, if, if you had to walk into an airport today and, and put in your first and last name, your name's short enough to do it. Mine's short enough to do it. Um, but if I had to do my full name with middle name, it's going to take a long time. Yeah. You know, and that's a that's a process we have to be thinking and it's about. Like a, it's a considered thing, isn't it? You, you almost have, you, you almost take a breath before you do it sometimes on these devices. I do that on my iPhone right now. If I have to type something long in, you know, I just hope dictation will get it right. If it's necessary for a form field, you know, I do have to stop and think, right, okay, let's do this. <laughs> I, I think it's just, I, it's, yeah, it's, it's. I think the, the industry is focused so much on compliance mm. that we've forgotten about the user experience. And it, in the end, you know, if if you wanted to get to the airport and check in, and you wanted to print your boarding pass, and you wanted to print a label to go on your suitcase. And I never check my bags, so I don't know that step. But if I had to do those three steps, and I could do those three steps, and that's all I need to do, do I care if the logo's tagged at the top? No, hide the logo. I don't care. It's not relevant to the process of me checking out or checking in at the airport. I need a simple user interface. I need to get through it. And this isn't blind specific. This is anybody yeah. needs that simple interface. And the more that we have a problem with the service industry, um, the more these devices are going to hit the market. The The last thing, I, I, not last thing in the conversation today, but the last thing around this topic around um, uh, accessibility in general, and let's, let's think about it from a restaurant perspective. Um, are blind users more loyal to a business who is accessible is one of the questions I'd love, you know, some feedback from some of your users over time because some of your listeners has got to be yes. Like if your web, if you, if the website's accessible and you could look at the menu and place an order to go or place it to be delivered, are you more likely to go back to it? It seems obvious to say yes. Right. Because if you think about it, you still have to like the food. 
Well, yes, but, all, but, but I don't know. Sometimes I have seen myself go somewhere or do something that I, you know, it, it, maybe a restaurant, let's say a restaurant that I like. I like other ones better, but I will go to that one because I've had a great experience. Right. And that, and that could be anything from the menu being accessible so you could look at the menu ahead of time because, you know, when you go out to dinner and you're going with some other people who have vision – you like to know what's on the menu before you get there. Yeah. You, right? you don't want to go through the whole, let's read the menu. Yeah. And no one time. reads all of it. Yeah. Uh, Lazy they, Jaws is what I call it when someone <laughs> reads the menu. Because they start off reading the headings. Mm. And then they start reading a few of the items under the headings. And then they get bored. So you end up ordering a burger. Or they help you order the food that they want you to eat. That's right. Or hey, they want you know to share. You should try, you should try this. <laughs> I don't want to try your food. I want to eat my food. Yeah, I, exactly. I, I was at a dinner once where um, somebody ordered soup and we had six or eight people at the table. Everybody got up and dipped their bread in the poor guy's soup. <laughs> <laughs> and he didn't even eat his soup. He was so ticked off the entire so It's like they recommended he get the soup to try and they were dipping. And they walked around the table and dipped and it in the soup. That's not right. But um, – <laughs> So, so I I think of the the um, the loyalty. If you look at the way the restaurant industry looks at things, they're looking at things from a loyalty perspective. Mm. Everything from them giving you points and earning things and playing games to get more points and get a free drink or whatever it is, they want to drive you back to that restaurant, and they're going to do that through loyalty. And I believe that as a industry, um, the blindness industry needs to be talking about loyalty and what drives our loyalty. So Sean, are you someone who would be uh, a loyal customer to a business that creates accessible products? But let's just say maybe it's a product you would maybe only use every so often. You could get it elsewhere. You could go to another company. What, you mean... I could get it at a cheaper price anyway. No, no, forget the price. Away. Forget Is that what you're sake, saying, forget Stephen? Forget the no. price for a minute, will you? I am loyal like a Labrador. <laughs> I am, um, no, you know what it is for me? It's more, <clears throat> excuse me, it's more the experience I have if I need to have any interaction with that company. That's the thing that makes me stick with it. It, it, it doesn't matter the price or even if a product is amazing or just good. If I've got a good interaction, a good conversation with the company themselves. If I need any help, if I email and it gets answered quickly, that's really the number one thing that makes me think, I like this company. Strange, I know. No, I, I don't think that's strange at all. I, I think it, it's kind of a weird question in a way, isn't it? Because, you know, of course we're loyal. Anybody would be loyal to a company where you get, you know, it could be loyalty points or it could be you know, a free coffee yeah, if you go there loyalty, nine times out of ten. Well, it, it, it that's starts me getting to something. Build loyalty, the- though, for that reason, right? Because you're going yeah. there. But the, I, I think that's the point, isn't it? That our loyalty is a deeper loyalty. It's not just about getting something in return. Although we are, we're getting a product in return, but it has a deeper yeah, well, meaning. We have to- an appreciation. We have, the, the, you know, all these products are something that help us do something that otherwise we wouldn't be able to do or it would take us a lot longer to do. So we have that level of appreciation that a lot of other companies just don't have. Yeah. Our customers, right. two companies. Yeah. It is, it's a really interesting conversation that we've been having, and we're going to get into more on that. Also, coming up in our special two part episode, we're going to be learning about and hopefully getting some secret info on uh, what's coming up in JAWS 2024. Ooh. Now, I know you don't care because you use NVDA, but I care. 
How dare you? That's where I get all my NVDA add-on ideas from. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll be as you know, I've been using NVDA and loving it. So, you know, I've, I think I'm, um, I, I'm definitely, I, I, I suppose there comes a point where there's only so many screen readers you can learn and know about. It was funny because I was thinking about the other day, we, we haven't talked much about Chrome and particular Chrome Vox, which is the Chrome book screen reader. Mm. Uh, and I thought, you know, we really should maybe talk about that. But I, I just can't wrap my head around any more screen readers today. I'm just that's me. I'm done. I'm out. There's too many. Yeah, but it's different because, you know, we're, we're, I'm, I'm talking about Narrator, NVDA and Jules as mm. my Windows screen readers. And you can have those running all at once or not at all or, you know, <laughs> switch between them on the fly. And that makes a huge difference. So you don't need to know every single keyboard shortcut, but just the basic um, keyboard commands works for them all. Right. So they're handy to have. Stick around. More to come from Matt Ater. He is the vice president over there at Vispero. We are giving you a special conversation with him this week because I got the chance to go to London and spend some time with him in person. So we are playing this out over two episodes here on Double Tap. Stick around. That conversation continues next. Connect with the Double Tappers on social media now, on Twitter and Facebook at Double Tap On Air, and on Mastodon at Double Tap. And don't forget, of course, you can email us as well at any time. Feedback at doubletaponair.com. You can call 1-877-803-4567. You can uh, drop us a voicemail there, and uh, we will play it out on the air, because that's what we do. And if you don't want it read out on the air... Just tell us. Just let us know in the message. If you just want to send us a voicemail and it doesn't have to go on air, that's absolutely fine too. But uh, we do love hearing your voice. So send in your voicemails or alternatively just attach an audio file. Loads of people are doing that. And uh, just, you know, recording something on voice memos or on whatever the Android equivalent is of that and uh, sending it to us. Or maybe on their Victor (laughs) reader or maybe on their Sense player or, you know, you get so much stuff. I'm trying to to think what else I've got. uh, Uh, I I found this uh, little dictaphone the other day. It didn't speak, though. That was the only problem. It just beeped at me all the time. Just throw it away. But it had a micro USB port on it. And I thought, if I hook this up to my computer, does it show up as a drive? Can I I just record stuff and then? Yes. That's quite cool. I didn't realize that. No, I didn't try it. Oh, well, that was a great story, though. (laughs) Thanks. Uh, hey, listen, I got a chance to meet Matt Ater in London. Yeah, I uh, travelled to London. Well, y- yeah. Hang, yeah. Hang on. Well, you travelled to London. I did. Where, where was my invite, Stephen Scott? Um, why, why wasn't I travelling to that? Am I not good enough for that there, London? Um, you might remember that about, well, I want to say seven years ago, eight years ago now, maybe even further back than that, you and right. I went to London. We went together to the capital of England. And we arrived there. Yes. And we caused nothing but mayhem. Because remember it was <laughs> yes. it was around it was around a holiday time. We were looking for I think we were doing a radio feature on you buying a present for your long suffering partner, Sarah. Correct. Yes. A can of deodorant. That's right. That's all I could afford in those shops. I remember it was it was a cheap I think you said to the girl, I'd like a cheap perfume, I please. Did. Yes. The look of disgust, it burned into my very soul. Yeah, she wasn't ah. impressed with you at all. I think at that point we were asked to leave. Um, but yeah, we uh, that was the last time we were there. So I didn't know if that was a good idea to replicate that again. Um, but no, I, I don't know why you didn't come. Why didn't, maybe, actually, yeah, that's the question. Why didn't you come to London to meet me? I wasn't Matt? asked, Stephen Scott. You must have forgot, or, or perhaps I didn't check my emails. That's 
very likely. You only get the oh, emails I... from Mr. F saying do the promos. I've noticed that. Correct. But you don't get anything yes. else. God bless you, Mr. F. Mm-hmm. I should have picked I could have picked up my shoe. Remember I left my shoe in the hotel room last time because I glued it to the carpet. You didn't need yeah, you didn't leave the shoe. The shoe no. stayed. <laughs> the shoe left me. <laughs> <laughs> I remember it well. Uh, so, yes, uh, today we're talking to or hearing from Matt because, as I say, I got the chance to sit down with him in person and uh, we talked and continued the conversation around loyalty. Uh, we were talking to Matt just before the break there about loyalty when it comes to brands and products and blind people and how we, we interact with that. But we, we continued this conversation into other areas, in particular into the world of, say, smartphones. And it comes up a lot on our show, and it tends to focus around smartphones, or let's just be honest about it, Apple versus Android. And that loyalty factor comes in, you know, where we talk about, you know, a product which, you know, for many people, Apple was, was one of the first, was the first, I guess, really to get accessibility right on a touchscreen. And they get it right. We all you know, line up, buy our iPhones, fall in love, and then Android comes along, does the same. Some people splinter off. But ultimately, you go with the company that's loyal to you. And that's how it feels for people. That's why people are choosing these devices. That's why they're doing that as opposed to buying something else. Not that there's much left to choose from between Apple and Android these days, unless you buy a blind shell. But I I just think there's, there's so many aspects to loyalty that's important to discuss and from a business perspective you know obviously bringing customers in is important and what i've said often on the show is look you can have us as customers if you're loyal to us we'll be loyal to you and that's the way to look at it and that, that should be the case anyway for a business why would you not want people coming through the door yeah i and and i it, the the question is how do we help a business understand that we are um, a group within society who has, you know, money to spend. Why do they right? not get that much? So many years ago, um, I was doing some sales of a new technology and it was called um, Talking Signs or the competitor Talking Signs. It was actually called Marco from um, Telesensory. Telesensory doesn't exist anymore, but the they, they had this product and it was called Marco. It was kind of like the Marco Polo kind of concept. It would say... You'd point this, you know, RF little box that you have in your hand. That it's like the size of a deck of cards. And as you're walking through, let's say, a train station, it would read signs to you because the signs would be, you know, sending out the signal from each sign. Got you. Yeah. And I went to a baseball stadium and tried to encourage the baseball stadium to do it. And they said, well, blind people don't come to games. And it makes you not want to go to a game at that stadium, right? Because yeah. it's, it's I'm blind. I went to the stadium. I was a regular, you know, participant at games. And um, they didn't, you know, invest in it. And shopping malls, same problem, you know, throughout, right? People don't, I think they, until you get experience with someone with a disability and especially blindness, which, you know, most people are scared out of their mind at because it's the it's the one thing they don't want, right, is to lose their vision. They've learned to read. They've learned to ride. They've learned to drive, whatever it may be. And taking that something away from them is, is pretty scary. But isn't it interesting that that fear, that fear of losing vision drives so much of that view? They don't look at us and they say, here, here, there's two blind guys getting on with life, doing what they do. They just essentially put all those fears onto us. 
and therefore live with this view that it's it must be terrible. I've, I, I mean, you must have had it. I've had it many times. People say to me, it must be terrible being you. Yeah. And it, and it is, but for not because I'm blind. <laughs> <laughs> for many reasons, but not that one. I don't know. I feel pretty um, positive in my life with things. Uh, both family, love family, love, you know, everything. I, I'm not, the, the blindness part isn't what gets in my way. I mean, it, I sure there's challenges and that's what we use technology and friends and other things for. Um, I'm not saying it's different, it, it, the same for everybody, because I could say I've been blessed. I have a job, I have a, you know, family, I have, you know. Are you blessed though? Or did you work hard? Well, I worked hard, but, but some of that's, a difference, some of that's, right? no one gave some, it that's to you. some of that's the upbringing too. Yeah. Okay. But so no one gave you an, no one gave you a job. No, right? no, no. I mean, but I, you know, I, I, not everybody gets a chance to go to college, mm. to university, right? Not everybody, um, uh, your, not everybody's parents said, oh, you know what? I want to send you off to camp with other people who are not like you. You know, a lot of folks would have been sent just to a school for the blind. Yep. And that's a different experience. And I remember once when I was, I'd been an instructor um, teaching how to use computers at a at a lighthouse in in the U.S. And one of the students came to me. She says, "Matt, I want, I'm so excited. I rode an escalator by myself for the first time." And I looked at her. I'm just going, "You got to be kidding me! You're a senior in high school. You're 17, 18 years old, and and that's like, that's, you know, to me, the parents held her back. Yeah, you know." She should have been going to the to the mall with friends and running around the mall and doing those kinds of things that kids do, um, which give independence. And yeah, and I think those kind of things allowed, you know, when I use the word blessed, I'm I, you know, yes, I had to do a lot of the work too. But if if my parents didn't put me out to do those things, I was the same kid that the parents would say, "Get home from school and say, get outside. We'll call you when it's time for dinner." Yeah. Right. And, and nobody in my neighborhood was blind. So it was me playing with everybody else. Right. And so, um, in fact, sometimes I'd ride the bike and hit somebody with it because I didn't see him, but you know, um, but, and this is pre helmets, right. <laughs> and pre general safety, <laughs> For general safety. blind people on bikes. That's a, that's a show waiting to happen. <laughs> you carpool karaoke now you get blind people on bikes. Yeah, okay. I like yeah, that. Yeah. Yeah. But it's interesting. Your experiences are similar, but the difference was for me, I wasn't encouraged to go out. I was encouraged. I mean, I, I certainly wasn't sent to, in quotes, blind school. That didn't happen. My mother was very insistent that that didn't happen. Um, she wanted me to go to what she called normal school. Um, and I did, and I benefited from that. I think I lost something in there, though. There was something I lost, and I think it was that it's very difficult to know and it's easy to look back in hindsight and say well it would have been great if i had this and it would have been great if i had that but there really were only two choices and it was specialist education or mainstream education that was it so for me it was a case of i wanted to uh, be part of the mainstream but i really could have benefited from from at least some of the specialists i mean i think today about braille for example braille's a big issue for me at the moment and i I've Wish been listening to your studying. Yeah, yeah. Well, you, well and, that and, 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 and your I, wife leaving the house when you start using the perks. 
when the Perkins gets used, yeah, she's <laughs> off. Um, but it's been interesting because I just wish I had that experience early and having the having the grade one experience, as I talked about before, having that early on has that stuck with me. And yet grade two feels just like an absolute mountain to climb. And it's because I never had any experience when I was younger. I'm starting fresh at the age of 40 or 41, 42, whatever I'm you know, aging. Even, we I learned early, you don't even know how old you are. I could work it out, but I can't be bothered. So when I say all this, I, you know, I, I recognize that when we're not all the same, right? Even though, mm. you know, people look at us and say, oh, you're blind. You must be friends with so-and-so because we all know each other and we're all alike, right? And inevitably we do know that person, which makes it kind of awkward, but yes. yeah. <laughs> and in the, in that situation, you know, my situation is different than everybody else's and different than yours. We may have similarities, but I'm not against what other choices people have had. You mm. know, if, if, if the School for the Blind worked for you and and you've been able to figure out you know, how to be successful regardless. And, and, or if your parents didn't throw you to, out and you figured out how to do it, that's the beauty of being different. I mean, we all have different ways that we get to where we are. Um, but that's I, the problem with today's world in some ways, isn't it? There's a bit of a, a one true opinion, uh, which, which doesn't just exist in our community. It exists across the board now. If you're not on board with this opinion, you're on this side of the political aisle. If you're on board with this opinion, you're on this side of the political aisle. And, you know, it doesn't really matter anymore what the opinion is, it's who's saying it. And that can be a problem for us in our community because there is a lot of that goes on. I, I see this in our community a lot where people have the one true opinion about something. And if you don't follow this, then you're wrong. And I'm, I'm, I'm with you on this. I'm not for that. But I think that the one thing that most people agree on is that we would want accessible tech. Well, that's for sure. Right? Yeah. I mean, it, if you couldn't buy something on the web... And you had to go to the grocery store to do your shopping every time instead of actually having it delivered because you can go online and pick all the things out you want and hit submit and, and have it delivered is, is beautiful, right? Mm -hmm. If you had to then turn around and go to the store and find those same things, the amount of time it takes, if it's uh, – keep in mind that assuming the, the website was accessible um, – but you learn techniques for getting through that process when it's online. And some of those things in person, I know when I go to the store it just to get iced tea, I want to get a jug of iced tea. I always go to the counter and do it because there's like 50 kinds of iced tea and not all, you know, half of them are unsweet and, or only a few are unsweet and they're all sweet. And I just want mine, right? And a lot of times they're out of stock. So I just go up there and say, okay, look, I'm looking for unsweet tea. I don't even do mine online because my wife would probably get in, I'd probably get in trouble for spending extra money on the <laughs> instead she makes me walk a mile to the store to get it um but she's thinking of your health exactly and our money um yes and so that whole process I choose to do it because that's all I'm getting and it's quick it's fast it's easy but if you can do all that online because it's accessible and you didn't have to leave that's not bad either and maybe you don't have the privilege of being a mile from a, a grocery mm. store I do I think what's what's important in, in this discussion, I think, and what it shows is that we do have different experiences. We do have different wants, desires. And I think that one thing, if, if I wanted anything to come out of this show, other than the fact that occasionally someone might call a technology show, uh, because, you know, we do occasionally drift into it, um, I'd like people to walk away with the idea that we are different, that we don't just have one view on something. We are different people. And that's why these conversations matter, right? That's why it's... 
it's important that we get together and we talk about our experiences and we talk about our lives because there's there's just like you just said you know people have a view on blindness that is it's a terrible thing and that's it pretty much that's as far as they go they just think it's terrible and life must not be able to continue in any meaningful way and when you have that view how do you ever get from that to hey do you know what this person's having a great life because all they're thinking is yeah how can you be having a great life it must be terrible you're blind they just keep putting it back in front. So that's why these chats are important. In other words, that's why I've taken us completely off the, the track of the kiosk. Well, and, and look, it's <laughs> when I when I think about some of the things you've said and and you know, you you can go back to um you know, there's people who've not used a computer since, you know, they were born in a different era, mm-hmm. right? Where they were if you're born in the two thousands, what made you think you ever had to use a computer? You could get everything on your phone, right? Yeah, exactly. To yeah. me, I could not do my job just on a phone. You know, I wouldn't feel you, you were talking earlier about having to do dictation and having to go back and correct stuff when it's not right. Mm. Um, If you had to write, you know, spreadsheets and documents and formatting and stuff, I don't know. I just don't feel comfortable doing that on a phone. I still feel comfortable on a computer. Right. Yeah. But there's people who are growing up that way that that's the way they've learned. Um, and to then transfer that, you know, I was, I was on a call the other day and, and somebody said, I've converted their, I've converted my entire life to just using my phone for everything. And my people around me know that the people who work for me, Hey, that works for him. Hey, you know? absolutely. And, and it works and for you, great. And, and that's great. At the same time, it, I know for me, and I know when I look at the going back to you, you know, you'd made a comment about, you know, jaws being for work. When I go back and work at all the corporations that that we help to make sure that people can work, they're using computers, right? And yeah. but that's different. They're not. They're sitting at a desk. They're doing a job. They they could be working from home these days, but you know, they're sitting down and using a computer computer for the things that they need to do. And so I I would say that you know. The beauty is that we have um, blind people doing different things with different technologies, and, and we don't have to get mad that one person's using Android and somebody else is using iOS and an iPhone. Uh, somebody's using Jaws and somebody else is using Narrator. I mean, those are choices that everybody makes on their own. That's Mad Ata, and more of that conversation is coming up on the next episode of Double Tap. But uh, Sean, I want to put that question to you because that's an interesting point. You know, we've discussed the whole kind of Android versus iPhone thing for long mm-hmm. enough. We've done the Mac versus PC. Is it time we just say, do you know what? Screw all that. <laughs> just whatever decision you make, whatever tech you use, that's the tech you you like. Let's just respect that. I, yeah, but you know what? I think we do, don't we? I mean, I know you, like, especially people must think you absolutely hate Android. And I know for a fact that isn't the case. No. Um, but, you know, we do have this joke around it. I, I, I love Windows. And, you know, often I say, I don't use the Mac, whatever, and I'm dismissive of it. But the fact of the matter is I, I can use Mac and, you know, it's accessible and it's fine. We've all got our preferences. But I think for the largest part and for the majority of us, we do respect each other's choices. You know, we may have the odd, oh, uh, you know, you're an iPhone, whatever, you're an Apple, whatever, and you're an Android, whoever. Um, but for the most part, we do recognize that, hey, if you're happy with it and it works, that's a good thing. I think it's very few people where I think they are actually 
um, genuinely upset with someone about using a different project. I find there's very few people like that. I'm not saying it doesn't happen. I've seen it on social media myself. If someone's I'm switching from Android to iPhone or the other way, then you know that someone will often say something. You think, wow, that's a bit harsh. But I think, in, in, as a general rule, I think you know what we do live like. That. I think we do all. Well, most of us respect each other's choices, to be honest. We might have a joke, but it's all in fun. Well, it's interesting because I did see an example recently, and I've heard this a few times. I've even had this directed at me too. I tend to find, and this is my experience, and I think I'm starting to see other people having this experience as well. If you're an iPhone user and you want to switch to Android, people will often say, oh, yeah, whatever. I mean, you talk to another iPhone user, they'll go, oh, yeah, okay, fine, fair enough. Let me know how you go on, right? That's the general... It's almost yeah. like, good luck, uh, you know, <laughs> fingers crossed for you. Uh, it's not a sense of what you're doing, why you're doing that. Um, however, the other way around, um, I've heard Android people who have considered moving to iPhone being absolutely eviscerated by other people. I say, why are you doing this? Why? Almost as if, and I, I think I can see the Android people's perspective a little bit because there's... I think part of the problem with anything else that isn't first is that it will be often overshadowed by the other. So, you know, you could say that about the Amazon Echo versus the Google Nest, right? You know, one was overshadowed by the other. Um, Depending on what country you're in. Well, that's right. Had, yeah, it could be the other way around. True. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, but, you know, with, with Android and iPhone, I think some people feel that there's a lesser community. There is a big thriving community of Android users, no doubt at all. But there's less of them compared to iPhone users. And there's stats to back this up, in particular in the West. So, you know, US, UK, Canada, that is definitely the case. There are more blind people using iPhones than there are using Android. Uh, yes. That is not the case the further east you go in the world, right? That is just not the case. It, it changes or for the South, I guess you could argue as well. But yeah. um, but I think that what, what's, what's happening, and I think what has to happen, is that we have to accept that people make a decision and they make a choice, and it has to be the right choice for them. And we should... But I, I also think we do need to find a way of improving the connection between the, the two in some respects. I, I guess what I'm thinking is, with all this... Mm -hmm. I made this point recently about the narrator versus NVDA versus JAWS. Not, not even so much versus, but um, do you remember I made that point about the NVDA sometimes overshadows narrator and it almost sits in front of it as a shadow yeah. and doesn't allow it to grow? Because so many people are into the NVDA community, there is, just isn't a thriving narrator community for that reason. Yes, I, and I think agree maybe with we, that. So therefore people say narrator's no good, but... Actually, it is. The problem is that people are just not focused on it and they're not going to focus on it. And I wonder if that's maybe a, another issue here. And that's maybe what the Android people are feeling. I'm trying to understand people, Sean. Stop trying it. The Android people. Leave them alone. Um, <laughs> Sorry, I, 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 there's, there's so many different things in there. I don't know where to start. Um, <laughs> I think, yeah, to be honest, I think it's a case that we do get. It's almost like the loyalty we were talking about. I think we... We, we get so attached, we can get overly loyal mm. um, to a company mm. because we are appreciative of the work that's gone into accessibility. We, um, we're, it's almost like a fear of losing that. So um, I think we need to sort of step, uh, step away from it a little bit. It's, it's no one else's business what you use. If it works for you, it works for you. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, more to come from the wonderful Matt Aitzer from Vespero. He uh, joins us on the next episode of Double Tap. And we get into even more on JAWS Kiosk and, more importantly, 
we get hands-on. That's the bit I'm looking forward to. How does it actually work? What does it sound like? And how can I order a breakfast sandwich from McDonald's? (laughs) Find out on the next episode of Double Tap. Sean, thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. And don't forget, keep in touch. Feedback at Double Tap on air. 1-877-803-4567. Join us weekly for The Pulse with host Joita Gupta, who brings us closer to issues impacting the disability community across Canada. Watch The Pulse on YouTube or listen wherever you download your AMI podcasts.